You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. I want to speak to those who, for whatever reason, find yourself serving God on the outside of the inner circle of religious status quo. You may be lonely, but you are not alone. You must find your strength, your identity, your purpose, and your acceptance at the nail-scarred feet of Jesus Christ. Do you ever feel isolated in your faith? Do you feel like those around you care more about the things of this world than they do about the things of God? That sure can be a tough place to be. Be encouraged by today's message as Pastor Gary reminds us that our faith is not in religion, but it's in Jesus Christ. If we're standing on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, all the wind and the waves of this world can never knock us down. When all else fails, Jesus will always be there to lead us through as we follow Him. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 17 as he continues his message, House on Fire. I won't mention the name, but I've pastored a church one time. I was told that they believed one way, but when I got in and started pastoring, I found out they practiced a completely different standard than what they preached. Needless to say, the Lord didn't want His Holy Spirit grieved any longer than what had transpired. And so the Lord moved us on because there was a church that was unwilling to rectify the discrepancies between what they said and who they were. Tragedy. In the same church, if my recollection is right, my son uh, was amongst the children in their Sunday school classes and the Sunday school teacher brought the Okay, the Southern Baptist Creed from 2007, and she proceeded to tell the class that they needed to learn why we believe what we believe. And instead of taking the Word of God as her text, she took this third-party document as her text. It is 11, and I don't remember exactly what it said, but something to this nature. I know where my authority is, and it comes from the Word of God. I was so proud of him. I was so proud of him. I didn't coach him to say that. He grew up in a family where he saw that mom and daddy took the Word of God seriously and that there was no wiggle room. There's no wiggle room with the Word of God. But I want to say this, what we tolerate can become a cancer that becomes the death blow of the church. When we're not willing to say, you know what, it's not really biblical. What we say, what we do, it's not really matching up. And so that's a problem in this text. I see it all, all over the place. And these Jews were angry because uh, Paul and Silas and Jason, all of them were preaching something that they actually believed and they actually put to practice. They actually believed that Jesus was the only hope for mankind and dared declare that message openly, boldly, and publicly and against the grain of status quo. And so 
You know, and by the way, this world don't mind the church meeting as long as we stay inside of our four walls. Amen. As long as you don't get out on the streets and start telling people they need Jesus. As long as you don't get on the public square and start preaching the gospel to places because they won't come here. As long as you stay in your little corner of the world where they can't see you, they can't hear you, they can't know you, they don't mind. But you show me a church that's gospel ready. They have their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and they're ready to broadcast it from the rooftop, from the radio station, from the social media, on the street corner over here by the side of the road in a couple weeks and all of a sudden the devil stirs up his old ugly head and you would not believe the snakes that'll start coming out of that heat because he's ready to try to destroy what God's doing in that church. Don't think it's strange concerning this fiery trial which is sent to try the church. And our efforts sometimes to maintain quote-unquote peace, we try to avoid offense, so we ignore faults, we ignore problems, we ignore discrepancies, we patch them over, or worse yet, we excuse them, or even try to find a scripture to twist hard enough to try to make it match and give credence to what has become sin in the church, and God's Holy Spirit has been grieved to the point to where He has not been in some churches for many years and manifested His power for many years because people prefer traditions over the Word of God. What is written, what is practiced, what is preached, it all seems to go in different directions. Verse 7 said, uh, not only did they do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, but they said that there's another king, one Jesus. How dare they? And this is where the church often gets in trouble with the government, isn't it? Because we answer to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He and He alone is the authority of the church. Now, He delegates authority, but what He delegates, He can also rescind. Amen. He said, all power is given unto me. Go ye therefore. He's delegating authority to the church to go and preach the gospel to the corners of the earth. But I wonder how many churches today may have the word Ichabod. The glory has departed over their church door. Because we have cowered. One of the things I think we have an issue with today is personality-driven churches versus kingdom-driven churches. There's a church-centered model, and there's a Christ-centered model. The church-centered model focuses on key personalities who allegedly are in charge. And often in this church model, the biggest, loudest, and proudest personalities and the strongest opinions win the day. And that church only does what the biggest personality or the hottest opinion says should be done. Am I right, church? And people in the church who want to see God move are starving spiritually and they're afraid to speak up because they've tried it before and they've been publicly humiliated and reprimanded by powers that be who are being lords over God's heritage instead of servants and representing the heart of the king. 
And when the church gets out of opinions and gets out of personalities and starts getting kingdom-minded and studying and learning and knowing and being the heart of Jesus Christ, we'll put our petty differences aside and we'll say, let the Lord sit on the throne and may his name be magnified and may all of our opinions die at the altar of Jesus Christ today. Keep in mind, I have a broader audience. But if the shoe fits, we need to wear it, don't we, church? Amen. Note that all must bow both knees to the authority of Christ and His kingdom. I'll never forget what I heard, and I may misquote him, but it was very close. Back when Adrian Rogers was, uh, I believe, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, the Lord used him mightily to help stir it more in a conservative direction during his service there and and something was said about the possibility of the convention not surviving and 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 I don't remember the exact quote some of you may remember it better than me but he said the southern baptist convention doesn't need to survive amen and I'm not here today to bash organizations I recognize the good that they do you see what I'm saying I'm simply pointing out discrepancies that Sometimes we get a wrong way of thinking about things. And my point in quoting Agent Rogers, and I think what his point was, and I agree with it, is all we really need at the end of the day is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That the church will survive with or without the organizations that become parachurch organizations. Because truthfully, the Southern Baptist Convention was originally set up, if I'm not mistaken, to facilitate the process and to strengthen the local church to do their job. It wasn't meant to be looked at as a headquarter authority. And even to this day, I believe we say that that's our practice. And sometimes I think people get it in their head that the Southern Baptist Convention is the authority when in fact they got it all wrong. Jesus Christ always has been and always will be the authority. And you find his authority as written in the Word of God. And so as long as we're willing to acknowledge and admit if or when there are discrepancies, then we'll be okay when we follow the book instead of man. Right, church? Amen. But you'd be surprised at how disruptive things can get in the common church today when Christ alone is shown in Scriptures, proclaimed as Lord, and practically submitted to in real-life scenarios. <laughs> I've gone through a lot in my short tenure as a minister. I've been preaching since I was 18, but I'm only 43, so I've still got a long way to go. <laughs> I've still got a lot to learn, amen. But one of the greatest things that God ever did for me is when he began to divorce me from public opinion. And when he began to show me the heart of God, when I personally lived through and experienced the atrocities of discrepancy between what was preached from the pulpit and what was practiced and pounced upon the weak sheep of God. And it breaks my heart today to know that that mess still goes on in too many places. But I'm also rejoicing that God taught me to find my identity and my authority at the feet of Jesus. And the Word of God. And I've learned 
that if everybody else turns on the house of the caudals and stands on top of it, jumping up and down, bringing a negative attention to me, if, if CNN were to swarm around my house and bring false accusation against me, in Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Let come what may, as long as I'm standing on the rock, I'll be the last one standing, and all else will crumble and fall. They may come against me one way, but they'll flee before me seven ways, because I have chosen to stand on the only thing that will endure the test of time and eternity, and that's the rock of ages, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been a tough lesson. It's been a lonely lesson. But I've not been alone. <laughs> oh, glory to God. I'm going to get to my conclusion in just a moment. But I need to share something with you. I want to speak to those who, for whatever reason, find yourself serving God on the outside of the inner circle of religious status quo. You may be lonely, but you are not alone. You must find your strength, your identity, your purpose, and your acceptance at the nail-scarred feet of Jesus Christ. Once you do that, you will learn that living on the inside with men is overrated. You will learn that many of them only live inside the circle because of fear of rejection. And if you could hear their thoughts, they envy your freedom. You would learn that companionship behind bars is a whole lot worse than isolation in freedom. Then you will learn that to be an outcast with men is to be cast in with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So never envy the inner circle that would never let Jesus have free rule and reign. Enjoy your days with God as if they were days of heaven upon earth. But never, never feel sorry for yourself for being alone with Jesus because you have the best thing going. Amen, church. Now what do we do if we find discrepancies as we have preached? Do we sweep them under the rug? Do we give them another decade of chance to maybe produce some fruit with our old, antiquated, outdated, unbiblical way of doing things? Or do we go to the Word of God for a fresh drink and a fresh touch and a fresh anointing? Many churches today are on fire because of these discrepancies which we allow without calling them out for what they are and bringing them in line with the Scriptures. But here's what we do about it. Read your Bible, verses 10 through 12 again with me. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night. Oh, I love that right there. They gave them a covering. They didn't send them out of town on a rail. They didn't feel the pressure of the unbelieving Jews and become turncoats on the apostles and throw them out to the wolves. No, they found a safe way to send them out under the cover of night for their protection. And would to God more people would do some more covering for God's men rather than throwing them out when the heat is on. Can I get an amen? 
who coming hither went into the synagogue of the Jews, verse 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. This is one of our problems. When we detect someone that confronts our religiosity, we automatically get on the defense rather than keeping an open heart to the Holy Spirit. And we stand our ground come hell or high water, many times at the expense of a move of God in a local assembly. And this scripture is saying that what did they do? They received it. They weren't blindly receiving it. What were they doing? With all readiness out of my hand, search the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They had, I don't like to use this term because it's a, a legal term in our legal system, but for lack of better illustration, the, they gave you the benefit of the doubt until they checked you with scripture. They didn't automatically assume that there was a, a skeleton in your closet and that we just got to seek out to find that. Let me find the dirt on him. I don't like what he said. There's got to be some dirt on him. No, they didn't search for his dirt. They searched the scriptures. Amen. Instead of assaulting somebody that loved you enough to tell you the God honest truth, why don't you do him a favor? Give him the benefit of the doubt and go to that book and see if what he ain't told you ain't right. Rather than just assuming that what you've always believed has always been so. Because you could have been misled. We're all human. We're all vulnerable. All we like sheep have gone astray. And every one of us turned our own way, right? <laughs> and what these fellas did, with caution but respect, they were willing to receive it long enough to check it with the book. Amen. Just check it with the book. Not a hard process if you're willing to do some homework. But if you're not willing to do the homework, then you need to keep your mouth shut. Amen. <laughs> we good? <laughs> oh, help us, Jesus. We say we believe that the Bible is the Word of God without any error, the sole authority for life and faith. Everybody say amen. amen. But do we always practice that? Even when it goes against the grain of traditions, expectations, or strong personalities that we fear to upset. One of the most difficult things for an introverted personality such as mine to do as a God-called pastor is to confront someone when they're biblically out of line. It goes against everything in my nature. I, of all people, know the temptation of taking the path of least resistance. But to what expense should I do that? Do you really want a puppet for a pastor? Or do you want someone that will tell you the truth? That should be all of our desire. I know where I stand. I'm not the final authority. God is. I have to hold myself up as accountable to this book as anybody else. And I tell everybody all the time, and I'll say it again, that if you find I'm out of line with this book, come talk to me about it. I'll repent and get right, and I'll make a public announcement about it. If that's what it requires to make it right. 
Because nobody's above this book. Absolutely nobody. But so many times, well, if you go to preaching that, so-and-so is the biggest tither in the church, you'll run them off, and then what are we going to do? We're going to trust God to send somebody else that will take, help take care of the needs. If we have to validate that we have everything, every resource in place with which to launch a new ministry, do we really need God? Where's faith in that? Hello? Has it ever occurred to you, maybe God don't ever launch anything that don't require some faith? Some people disqualify new church programs because they say we don't have the money for it. Where is that in your Bible? I saw in my Bible where the poor were taking up love offerings to give it to others in need. They didn't have it, but of their own necessity, they emptied their pockets. You say, well, how did they get by? They trusted in their God, Jehovah, their provider. Amen. And we got to get back to trusting the Lord, God, Jehovah, and knowing that if he called us to it, he'll see us through it. Amen, church. That's right. By the way, I'm still in my series on order, order in the church. So again, what do we do to resolve these discrepancies? Here's what we do. We identify the truth in the Word of God, then ensure that we believe, preach, and practice it equally across the board. But here's what we try to do sometimes. We try to patch it over and say, oh, I believe... And I, I might bring it to somebody's attention. Well, I totally believe, I agree with you, preacher. I, I'm totally on board with you. I see exactly where it's at in the Scripture. I stand with you. And then they go right out the door and do exactly the opposite of what we, he said or she said they agreed to. And I'm saying if we're ever going to resolve discrepancies that otherwise might burn the house down and eliminate the influence of this church for future generations, then we're always going to have to be willing to make adjustments as the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, brings them to light. How is it then, brethren, according to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, how is it when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Paul wrote to the disorderly church of uh, Corinth, said, let all things be done unto edifying. If you look that up, it means architecture and confirmation. In other words, it's to be unified around the truth of God's Word. And when we unify around the truth of God's Word, it eliminates all of the discrepancies and gives us our power back, gives us our salt back, gives us our light back. Gives us our influence back. Amen. But as long as we say one thing and we pretend one thing and we do one thing, we're losing generations. We're losing our kids. We're losing our grandkids. Because somewhere along the way, we, we adopted pride as our God. And if you don't believe that churches don't set up golden calves, just uh, think about what I'm preaching to you today. Think long and hard about it. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> And I'll say this and I'll be quiet. Sometimes our golden calves are our third-party documents that we so rely on to, with which to manage the house of God, be they bylaws or otherwise. 
Some people would soon have you doubt the Word of God than they would the bylaws. Amen. But the lesser should always serve the greater. Right? I'm not saying eliminate bylaws. I'm not saying eliminate needed third-party documents for legal protection. But the lesser should always serve and bow to the greater. So if there's any discrepancies, just fix them. And keep moving on for Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L dot com. True North is a ministry of Gary Cottle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, garycoddle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit GaryCuddle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's Word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support, and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.